0: Welcome to the Eastman Dental Podcast, where we hope to inspire, motivate
1: and provide education from our guest's experience.
2: So Josh, who's coming on our podcast this week? This week we're joined by Mo aka Dr Motox. So Mo qualified from Cardiff University before undertaking a selection of different DCT jobs and since then he's explored a range of different options from working in general dental practice, working in an emergency dental clinic, working in the hospital as a restorative specialty doctor, as well as building and then growing his successful facial aesthetics
1: business. You might do this one, you might do DC two, but just have an open mind about everything because it might not work out the way you want it to work out. You might not get that interview. Um, so I do think you need to be open minded about these things. And if you are open minded, you will it will open doors up for you as well.
2: So during this episode, we're going to explore these pathways further and try and pinpoint exactly what has led to most success.
1: And then just loads of training. I've been on every training you can imagine. If there's if someone's done training, I've been on it. And till to this day I would still go on training. Um I might I might be very, very good at what I do and I'm very lucky in that sense. But you'll always pick up something new from someone else.
0: With your hosts, Josh Hudson and Julia Bruin. So you've done quite a few things in what might be considered a relatively short time in dentistry and and in this career. Can you perhaps talk through your initial thoughts about going into dentistry and then how you've pursued all of these other um, elements of your job at the moment?
1: People always ask this, how do you get into dentistry? And I don't actually know how it happened. Um, I don't know what made me do it. I knew I always wanted to do something healthcare for sure. Um, And I think at the time I thought it would be easier to get into dentistry than anything else, which I was wrong. I found out when I started applying. (laughs) Um, So that's how it all started. And then um, when I actually got in and then um, qualified, I did lots of different jobs all over the place. Um, Had lots and lots of experience. I had a path in mind, which um, didn't go the way that I planned um you know so many people
0: say that don't they they we have this romantic notion that this is what we're going to do and this is how it's going to go
1: and everyone always tells you oh you think you're going to do this but you're probably not and I was like yeah no whatever this is what I want to do but what was that path I'm interested in I was actually wanting to become a peds um specialist okay and that was the plan as soon as I left DCT that's why I did a peds job I was in contact with all the peds consultant at um at Cardiff University when I was there I was
0: I mean, pediatrics is quite a. <laughs> it's one of those things that it's a bit like Marmite in dentistry, isn't it? People either love treating Absolutely. children or really don't like treating children. And so. I
1: loved, I loved it at the time, and I would, I could still see myself doing it, but I obviously wouldn't go back and do that. Um, and I loved doing it at the time, and I loved all the clinical placements I did, and there was no reason why I thought, oh no, actually, I'm not going to do this. It's just different pathways open and different doors opened, which I found I did a little bit more. Exciting, but it was fun at the time, and I would
0: doors opening. I have a feeling we're going to be talking about those doors opening doors, um, yes. later.
2: So yeah, touching on that a little bit more. So you qualified in Cardiff. You did your foundation training, DCT years, and then how do you think that set you up? You you might have done that in the view of becoming a pediatric specialist, but how do you think that's helped you or set you up for your later career? Would you recommend DCT? Is that something you think absolutely? Should do? I
1: think. If, if you have the opportunity or able to go into that path, you 100% should. Uh, it just opens your eyes up to how things work in the hospital environment. It opens your eyes on complex things. Um, I think it makes you a little bit more confident. Without those years, I don't think I would be where I am today, especially doing um, like max fax years. I wouldn't be able to treat the kind of patients I am today. I wouldn't have the insight I have today um, into, into the world that I'm in. So I would 100% recommend everyone to do it. If you have the opportunity, have the chance. Um, I think it should be mandatory really, but obviously that's never <laughs> going to be, that's never, no one's going to fund that.
0: <laughs> so restorative dentistry never featured in your... I feel I should your...
1: say yes, So well, the consultant who wasn't charging me would kill me, but no, not really. <laughs> no the reason I did restorative um, and I applied for it and it was my number one choice, um, as you can imagine, Um was because I wanted more experience in that kind of thing. Because if I was going to go into PEDS, um, I didn't want to be lacking in knowledge in other areas. And I think it's heavily restorative-based in PEDS as well. Um, so that's why I wanted to do that. And I did obviously end up enjoying it very, very much because I'm still still doing it to this day. Um, so, yeah, I was, it was never a no. No, it wasn't no. It was, never, it was, it was never always never. a no. <laughs> I think they still try and push me in the hospital to try and go down that route, but... Um, yeah, it's not gonna happen so was it that restorative job that
2: well, I want to know what killed this peds idea what what stopped you going into peds in the <laughs>
1: um I did enjoy restorative and I think I I found that I enjoyed actually treating adults and not just um kids um and then I moved city I moved to London um moved into the big smoke and there's just a was, lot is, happening. Is, is,
0: did you feel as though there was really big difference between Cardiff and London yes then?
1: I loved Cardiff. I lived there for such a long time. I knew everything there. I knew everyone there. and um, We knew all the places to go out. We knew where to venture out for for days out. And then when I moved back to London, obviously I was young when I moved to London. I wasn't really enjoying London the way that I do now. Right. Um, it was just a whole new a whole new thing. And I think that, that opened my eyes out into what I could be doing and how I could be enjoying London. And going down to speciality training was not going to let me do that um interesting
0: so there's a a moment where you are working between two hospitals you're in a practice you're starting <laughs> your business what made you think hey i'm going to i'm quite happy i'm going to do all of these different things and and I not th- necessarily position yourself in what we might consider now you know a single room <laughs> where you're there for the next 40 years and, um, you know, don't don't come out for air.
1: Well, I think there was a point in time where I was doing a lot of jobs at the same time. Um, there was one point I was doing, I was doing a DCCD job. I was doing the emergency service. And I was doing some like Loken stuff on the side. Um, and then when I moved here and finished my DCT training, I was doing the, the staff grade job at the hospital. I was working in practice and I was trying to set up a brand. Um, which is obviously a lot going on. When I was a lot younger and I had a lot more energy back then. <laughs> um, so,
0: I- is that something that you'd recommend people to? I mean, you're you're describing it, and it it's sounding quite an appealing thing to give yourself an opportunity to try
1: different things.
0: But do you think that's the best way of doing those sorts of things, looking back on it? I think
1: for me, yes. Um, I like to be busy. I like to try loads of different things. Um, But I can appreciate that that wouldn't work for everyone. I had, there was a period of time where I had no weekends. I was working every day. And people always ask me how you built your brand. And that's kind of how it started in that you... There was a lot of work in the background doing, trying out those different things. And I'm happy that I tried out so many things. I did so many jobs everywhere. I did the practice. I've done the hospital. Yeah. I've done the stuff. I've done everything. So I know what I like and what I don't like. And I have managed to narrow it down to exactly what I, what I really enjoy now.
0: Yeah, I think you've just put the nail, you know, really nailed it there by saying about... You know what you like, and I think that that's half the battle, isn't it? Is trying to find the right thing to do.
1: Absolutely, I think without trying all those things, you won't know. Because I think some people, when you go do down go down the training route, you've got a path and you just follow that path without trying anything else. And I think I'm very, I'm very fortunate that I've tried the other branches and seen. Actually, I, I, to be honest with you, I enjoyed all the jobs I've done. There wasn't anything where I was like, oh no, this is really horrible. I don't want to be here. But the ones that I do now. I enjoy the most. I don't think I'm going when I wake up in the morning I don't think I'm going to work. I I enjoy going up.
2: Well, wow. that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, I think a lot of people end up on that kind of D C T treadmill where um yeah, like you say, you end up following a route and before you know it you're down this path and then you end up doing your specialty training. And I think it sounds like by doing different things you've got probably a better view of that treadmill that maybe then you decided that wasn't necessarily what you wanted to do. Yeah, and I, think, and I
1: think sometimes you're kind of pressured into that. You go into these jobs and everyone around you has gone down that path and sometimes a little bit narrow-minded about, about that path and that that's what you should do and that's what the key to success is. Like once you've made that, you're successful. Um, and I thought that in the beginning. I thought, okay, well, everyone I was looking around, was, like, oh, everyone else is doing DCT jobs and then doing second DCT jobs and then going to the hospital training. I thought, oh, I need to be doing that as well. If it, you've come, since, from applying for getting into dental school, you're always competing with other people, trying to be the best, trying to, yeah. to be the best at interviews, best at everything. Um, and it and is still very competitive, isn't it? It's is crazy. It's not
0: changing. I, and I don't quite know why it's got so competitive. I can't really, I mean, well, perhaps... I think everyone
1: wants to do it. <laughs> I suppose there's only a limited number of, limited number of spaces. So you've got to choose the best of the best, but um so you have to be competitive to get into to enter these things so um you end up getting to that treadmill which sometimes i feel and for some people it kind of like drops you at the end for example someone would do dct1 dct2 you wouldn't straight away get into specialty training you might not get a staff grade job you might there might not be dct3 jobs and then you kind of just get dropped Yeah. Um, yeah that's very true and when that happens i think you lose a bit of motivation and end up in other places but um i think i've just been very fortunate that's all so maybe a downside of dct then
2: i know we're very positive as, about dct I, that's I always, something I to think about this to
1: people as well when um i used to do a little bit of teaching at one of the teaching hospitals and i'd always say you'll go down this path and you might do this one you might do this two, but just have an open mind about everything because it might not work out the way you want it to work out you might not get that interview um so I do think you need to be open-minded about these things. And if you are open-minded, you will it will open doors up for you as well.
0: Well, that is a really good bit of advice for Alice, isn't it? You know, <laughs> keep open-minded about everything. So we've talked about what you've done before. Mm-hmm. Let's focus on the here and now. Yeah. And you've got a brand. You know, you are now Mr. Motok.
1: <laughs> so
0: talk us through that one.
1: Um, again, a, a, People always ask me, how have you built your brand? How have you got here? How have you got so many clients? All of this. Um, Perhaps just even just start off by telling people because some people might not actually know really what you
0: do now. I'm
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, So um, I've opened up a brand of business in um, carrying out facial aesthetics. So we do uh, facial rejuvenations, anti-aging, all of that kind of all the fun stuff um so mainly botox fillers some machine stuff some lasers and all of that stuff which is obviously very very different to what you're actually trained in initially so, um, so
2: what got you into that so we talked about all these different jobs I, i'm interested to know where that came into all of these different you know
1: things what, my first insight was actually when i was doing a maxfax job um in murthyr tidville um one of the consultants. Golly, there, I've just
0: got a vision. Murpha did the max fax. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, it's a lot yeah.
1: <laughs> a lot of trauma. Um one of the consultants there was into it. I think he was kind of just getting into opening his brand and doing doing his thing. And then we were doing it a little bit in the hospital, um, mainly for we were doing master botox in the hospital, and I was like, "This, this is interesting. Like, how this works?" And I was asking loads of questions about, "Oh, how else can you use this? What else can you do?" And they were doing all lots of fun little things, like um, patients with like Bell's palsy and stuff like that, using botox to correct things. And I was like, "Oh, this is this is interesting." And then I left, didn't think much about it. Um, and then when I moved to London, there were loads of people around me who were going on courses and doing things. So I was like, "I'll go, I'll go, I'll do a course, see what happens." And then it just went crazy from then. So I kind of just fell into it with the max Facts training yeah and then yeah so the brand from there so right how, from there. how did that start off
2: and and get well, to where it's
1: well the name started we were skiing and one of my friends came up with the name actually And, then, <laughs> and then we, we made the instagram then and there and that was back in 2017 2018 something like that um and then when i qualified then i just started practicing on friends and family level. Do you want to have a little go, and then everyone have a little go? (laughs) Not everyone looked great after. And then I then found a little space in West London, um, with a little salon. And then saw a few clients there. Like when I say a few, I'd see like one or two a week, if that. Not even that. um, Every other week. And then slowly it just built and built and built and built. Everyone was telling everyone, and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And we are where we are. And
0: how did it? I mean. People do talk, but still there is that sort of element behind it where people still feel a bit bashful about asking for these kind of products. But do you feel as though people are much more open to
1: it now? Though? People are way more open about it now. I'm much, much more happy to um, talk about it. Um, it's all over social media. All the influencers are talking about it. It's You find it in the papers all of the time now. And I've just been very lucky that I've been around people who've been really supportive, um, who've been supportive of my brand and helped me build it up um I think the main most important thing is people telling people there's no no better marketing than word of mouth
0: and of course the results because it's so visual isn't it people can then look at it. it's it's yeah, not absolutely. that dissimilar to having your teeth done yeah, yeah, it's it's all sorts of things absolutely. like that isn't it you
1: I think that's how my brand. the, ev- the evidence
0: started. is is there. there right in front of people to exactly. go hey um that's good. Where did you have that done?
1: Absolutely. Or someone will say, tell someone they look fresh, and then they'll just spill it all. <laughs> <laughs> so I think initially it was word of mouth, um, and then I moved um, heavily into the world of social media and dedicated my life and myself to social media.
2: So you say you dedicated your life to social media. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that? So, how do you use social media? Should other people use social media? How's that had an influence on your brand? Do you think?
1: um i think it's put the brand where it is now um mainly instagram um so i would put i would spend hours trying to get photos before and afters and i was terrible at it first um if you scroll back on my instagram you won't find them because i've deleted them now. <laughs> um but i've spent ages learning how to take photos um learning to converse with the right people in the industry um Working with social media teams and watching loads of YouTubes and social media influencers and stuff like that, see how they built their brand and try to do similar kind of thing. Um, And we're very lucky that when I built my social media, it was at a stage where it wasn't as huge as it is today back then. Um, So it was a a lot easier, I'd admit that it was a lot easier to build a following, build engagement and do that kind of stuff. Whereas I think nowadays, Everyone is going into it and I would still recommend it, definitely. Um, but I think you really have to stand out for you to to build a platform and build that engagement. Um, so a lot of it was luck with my social media and a lot of hard work um, behind closed doors. And I would spend hours and hours after work getting the right captions, getting the right photos, putting things in the right positions, um, trying to get everyone to like, follow and do everything <laughs> back then. Um but I'm very lucky now that I've I've got a team around me who run all that side for me so I don't come home and spend hours and hours and hours trying to do that but there was a, there was a period of my time where I would come come home answer all the messages on Instagram emails post photos trying to share it um reaching out to people within the industry um and I'd be up till midnight trying to do this wake up check the Instagram make sure that doing is doing, doing um But I'm very lucky I've now got uh, a social media team who run all of that for me and they're absolutely incredible and they do exactly how I want it.
2: That's really interesting because, um, yeah, I guess you might not really think there's that much hard work behind it it when you're you're looking at the pictures.
1: It's not as easy as putting a picture up and it just blows up um especially nowadays it's it's well and so, you want so to hard. put the
0: right one up don't you i mean that like, we can all put our holiday put photos or <laughs> our you know slice of carrot cake or whatever it might be but actually if you're going to use this well it takes a great deal of effort
1: i Absolutely. think that's really and, what you and, and i trying think a lot say. of mine was trial and error as well um i've definitely put the wrong things up i've definitely had backlash about things i've put up um there's definitely been a lot of hate and a lot of a lot of people have not been happy about the stuff that I've put up and the stuff I've taken down because of that. Um, so there was a lot of trial and error and knowing your audience and making sure everything is perfect. But
0: is that quite a difficult... You know, you say you've got a team doing it. Yes. I mean, when it's so personal to yeah. you and this is all about you, this isn't This isn't anybody else, yes. this, this isn't an organisation, this isn't a team. No. So you're getting people to put stuff up so you really have to trust those yeah, people absolutely. who are putting those things up so she doesn't on your just bar. have
1: free reign and it's not that situation um so i would take all the content i would send it to her and then we'd have like weekly meetings and then i'd say i want this 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 this. right okay and she would do that she'll send it to me i, I think that, it. that
0: that makes yeah, me feel not, as that, as, that makes me feel happier for you because i was just here's
1: the password go crazy Absolutely yes. not. um i approve everything that that goes up um and I take all most of the footage. Sometimes I get them in and they do um we do like content days where they'll film content or take content for a day. Um but generally I have to approve everything.
0: And and just sort of on that subject of sort of content, do you have a very specific sort of consent form that you get your patients to? Uh,
1: yeah, so I say got, patients,
0: do you call them patients or do you call I them don't clients? Call
1: them pa- I call them clients. I don't like yes. the word patients. Okay, so, so are you well, yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. Um so do you do any any bits of consent advice that yeah, you would absolutely. perhaps share with the listeners? That's why I use an listeners? amazing
1: um, consent company, actually. I use something called Faces, um, which uh, is connected to like iPad phones. Everything's all like interconnected and you can get them to sign everything. Um, and I make my made my own consent forms. Um, so we have a social media consent form. So if I've got like an influencer coming in or someone who's, who we're doing like a, brand deal or whatever with and um, there's a special consent form for them right there's a special consent form just for regular clients who are just having the treatment and then regular clients plus those who are happy for me to use their photos um so yes there's definitely consent forms out there because the last thing I need is that that headache
0: so I mean the sort of lead-on question to that is about indemnity and making sure that you are safe because Absolutely. you said that there's a there's occasional backlash for what you do Um, and there is whatever service we're providing in the dental industry, isn't there? So perhaps talk us through that side of things.
1: So obviously I have indemnity insurance and everything for the business and everything around it. Um, I definitely keep it separate to dental. Um, I like to keep those worlds very, very separate because I don't want them to really intertwine. I think and confuses matters. Um, So I've got a um, special insurance indemnity with... um, uh, an amazing company actually who are dedicated to this kind of things to medical they've got the medical they've got the dental side and they've got like an aesthetics a right. aesthetic side so i'm down on that route with them and they're very good in giving advice um sharing consent forms and the kind of things that they they would want me to do so i followed all their guidance plus guidance and stuff that i've picked up from all over the place
0: mm, that's really interesting
2: so one measure of your social media success might be the fact that you've got a coated blue tick on your Instagram profile. Um, and again, I'm sure a lot of people will be interested to know what's the story. Everyone how how have you done in, that? In,
1: everyone is interested in the blue tick. Want to know, I want to know how I got that blue tick. Um, the blue tick has been a work that's been happening backstage for a long, 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 very, very long time. Um, i've been trying to get it for ages i I won't pretend that i haven't tried been trying to get it but i have um what's the process
2: do you does it i I, I hate to say it but you
0: know there may be people out there listening that won't know what we're actually talking about so perhaps just start right from the beginning and talk about what a blue tick on instagram really means
1: i think most people know but i'll tell you Uh, well you know there there might be one
0: or two people out there that are listening to this that have no idea what you're talking um, about um
1: on instagram there's a little blue tick like a little verification tick for people who are unique who they find have a brand or platform or have like a celebrity status important status um i don't know what the actual official title is for it but that's so kind of what it is if
2: there's 15 jennifer lopez on twitter or on instagram the one with the blue tick is the one it's that's actually time. the right one so oh. that you know it's so
1: like fake profiles so it just shows okay. that you're you are the person who you say you are so yeah someone like jlo will have one which i hope she does, I'm sure she does. <laughs> um so i've managed to get one um so do they
0: write to you and tell you hey you've got your blue tick or how does it how does
1: it work? But um, no, does so, it
0: suddenly appear on your account?
1: It kind of suddenly appears. Um, no, there is a there's a little form that you can fill out with Instagram, um, which I think everyone probably <laughs> fills out, um, just telling them why you think you should have one. Oh, right. Um, okay. And the kind of things, the kind of people they give it to are someone of public figure, journalists, or someone who might have loads of profiles who would copy the copy their profile. So you want to know who their original profile is. Um, So you've got to give them evidence of why you think you should have one. So I've been very, very, very lucky that I've had my social media platform has gained me a bit of media attention. So I've had a few little articles here and there, done little TV programs and podcasts and stuff like that, um, which I think has shown to the Instagram team that I'm unique and I do things different to other people right. so i think a lot of it has just been um so it's an element i mean
0: in some ways it's it's quite a reassuring thing for yeah um you know it, it's a sort of policing of sorts
1: kind of a policing of sorts um, but
0: but actually you know, I, i'm quite reassured by that blue tick oh there you <laughs> so. go glad
1: you got you on board <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um, it's mainly filling out a form but it's um having presence in the media and i've just been very lucky that we've had those articles in the media
0: i don't think you've been lucky at all
1: uh, do you know, what, people do you know I, ask I, I i i i really
0: i think you know we we often say this don't we i mean i feel i'm quite lucky with some of the things that i've done we're lucky that we're doing this podcast but actually do you know it's, hard well, it's two work. things one you is just, hard work you know, you've it's, got to and work it's time. you have
1: got to work really really hard in what you do to to be able to get to where you are but a lot a lot of it is also there is also a, a Element of luck. Some of the some of the journalists that I've just met who've just happened to be in my clinic, like oh, actually, I'd like to interview you. I'm like, okay, well, fine. I, yeah, they will. Uh, have... They're scouting. <laughs> yes, I was going to say. <laughs> no, I hope so. I hope they're scouting. <laughs> um, but a lot of it has just been that has been opening doors and meeting people who know people who know people, um, and without that, I think that kind of world of the blue tick and the, the media world is is very much who you know and, and trying to get into there Um, and that bit's not easy
2: I think there's probably two two different avenues to your success as uh, as as your brand that I'd like to explore I think the first part is the social media Mm -hmm. so just to touch on that a little bit more so I know you said it's quite a crowded market and I think Mm -hmm. definitely it it probably is looking looking (laughs) looking looking at uh, social media so what advice would you have somebody who's not necessarily aesthetics who's wanting to make themselves a little bit more known through social media you said you had some backlash and things you learned from do you have any tips Absolutely. for somebody that's starting out um it's
1: it's a very very tough market to, to build in and you have to be unique you have to be doing something different for people who want want them to engage with you um i think there was a time a period where i'd say maybe a year or two ago where it was all about influencers you'd get influencers in they'd post about you and it would just blow up um that that is no longer the case that does not work um i've tried and tested that now and it doesn't it doesn't do what you think it's going to do um i think you have to be different. why don't
0: you think it works like it used to um do you think
1: we've now
0: got too many influencers Uh... out there in the world and and people aren't there for listening to them
1: well two things one there are a lot of influencers out there and i think they do an amazing job and kudos to them to build a brand out of just them them being them i think it's absolutely incredible um but there is a lot out there. That market in itself is saturated, which then I think funnels through to, to brands. And I think it becomes a people become less and less relevant and their engagement drops more and more over time. I think it's if you're gonna if you're gonna build up that way, you need to get be getting the person who's hot at that period of time. Um so that that still works when you're getting the person who's really hot, who's still got engagement and and doing very, very well. But a bit later down the line, it doesn't it doesn't do what what you want it to do, because I don't think it has the engagement, it doesn't have the power and the drive that that it would do when when that person is big at that time. Mm. Um, and that's mainly TV people like say Love Islanders or people have just come out um come out of a TV show and people have just started seeing them. So they're showing up a lot more on social media. Yeah. Um, but later on, that drops down significantly and you don't see it as much, unless there's someone who, who someone really identifies with and who, who the public really, um, really love and, and adore. Um, otherwise it doesn't, it doesn't work anymore. So I think nowadays for you to stand out and for you to build, build a brand, not necessarily in aesthetics is you have got to be different. You have got to be just doing something that other people are doing or the work that you are doing is got to be absolutely exceptional. So that when people are looking at you, they'd be like, oh actually this is, this is the person that I want to go see and i think you've got to put yourself out there you've got to be confident in front of the camera and that was very very difficult for me in the beginning i did not want to be in front of the camera i did not want to do the hey guys um but i do now and it works um because people um want to buy into your brand they want to see who they're going to see for for treatments or whatever they want to identify with you mm. um and if you're not going to be in front of, confident in front of the camera it's just it's a lot more difficult um yeah. yeah. And I guess that
2: comes on to the second part of that question. So you said about being good at what you do. Mm. And I think, yeah, that, that makes sense that if you're doing good treatment that people are going to identify and, and your brand's going to build, If someone's thinking about a facial aesthetics specifically now, and they were wanting to go into that area. Again, what advice would you have for somebody who's
1: starting out? Yeah, my my DMs are full of <laughs> full, <laughs> full of this. this so, maybe so you, you do, do a lot of there. cutting, cutting and
0: pasting of your responses
1: because <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm guessing it's the same for everybody, isn't it? um
1: It's you have got to be good at what you do. Like your social media and stuff like that can only do so much. You ha- when you get that client in the chair, they've got to want to come back to you. Otherwise, it's just not it's just not going to work. And for you to be good, you need a lot of practice initially. I, I mean, I, I did loads of practice. And like I said, I've. Not everyone looked good in the beginning because I, I was trial on things. I was, there was trial and error and I was doing things wrong. Um, but I think I've, I've been very lucky. I've had a patient base to, to trial that on and try new things. And they were at the beginning very, very happy for me to try little new things and be like, oh, actually, can we do this? Can we do this? Um, and I've just done loads of training. I think my your, max max training is so, so important, I would say for this kind of thing, because it opens your eyes up to so much that you would never really see. And um, you'd learn about it in the books and you'd re- learn about in dental school, you'd learn about the anatomy, but until you're actually in there and seeing it in physical life and surgery and dealing with it and stitching people up, um, I don't think you'll have the confidence to be able to inject and know anatomy and how to deal with complications and things like that. Um, so a lot of that stuff initially, what the work up to it, and then just loads of training. I've been on every training you can imagine. If there's if someone's done training, I've been on it until to this day. I would still go on training. Um, I might, I might be very very good at what I do, and I'm very lucky in that sense. But you'll always pick up something new from someone else. Yeah. So to this day, I'll turn up something and like, "Oh, what you're doing here?" Yeah, I'm like, "Well, I want to learn what what you might be doing. You might be doing something to what I'm doing, and I want to be able yeah. to incorporate that and." keep learning i think that's very very important people get very very comfortable in what they do and think they're the best at it without continued learning and there's new things coming out all the time um i also work with loads of different companies which i obviously won't name um who who take me on trainings and take me under their wing and show me different products and trial new things you know well
0: <laughs> what well, is quite fascinating is you happen to be talking about facial aesthetics here yeah. but actually we really could be talking about anything, couldn't we? Absolutely. We could be talking about perio work. We could be talking about restorative work. We could talk about, um, you know, a whole host of different dental things.
1: Absolutely. I think we get very, very comfortable in the positions that we're at and what we know. I think our downfall in general is not knowing what we don't know. Um, yeah. And without that, you won't know the new innovations. You don't know actually what can I be achieving to, to do something else, Um by learning from other people.
0: And we mustn't underestimate that whole, you know, standing in the coffee queue conversation that we get when we do conferences. I mean, we've done a lot of online stuff, but you just don't get that interaction, do you? You don't get that eye contact, that people talking to each other about what might be considered quite a small thing, but actually it's not a small thing. It's a colossal thing in your de- daily dental life.
1: Absolutely. So. I think without going to these things, without going to the conferences, the trainings, and meeting new people, you just won't, you won't improve. You won't get better. And people will end up going somewhere else. Um, the kind of things that I do now in my practice, I know are unique to other people because I've used tiny little bits from everywhere, including my own. I've innovated my own and tried my own things to to get the results that I do and to be able to build the brand that I have is because of that is trialling, speaking to people, watching videos, going to conferences and all that stuff. Without it, I think you just, you can't be successful.
0: And time. I mean, you've said time and time (laughs) again that actually this can't be done quickly. So there's no quick fix for for sort of brand, you know, shining bright lights and making your brand. I mean, these take a lot of time and effort
1: technically if you want to get into this business you do a one do two day course and the next day you can inject um and you can do that but you just won't be you just won't be very good at it yeah. without the time and the experience behind it um i don't think you can be successful in, in and, the business
2: and the patients right because i've I, I know people that that have d- done exactly that and then they might see a, a patient a month like again you can't surely
1: can't be a... you can't you won't be able to to build a base with basic basic knowledge because you'll find some of the some of these clients that come in are so knowledgeable sometimes they teach me they're like oh i've had this treatment i'm like what, what's that and i'm like oh god, <laughs> oh, god let's have yes and then i would go there's there's a few things actually in my practice that i've brought in because some of the patients have been in this industry for a lot longer than than i have and they they know about things they're like, oh actually, yeah I, this person did this can we try this and i'd be like yeah we can try that see what happens i'm like oh wow that's that's incredible um so i think the patients can smell i don't want to get bleeped
2: fair enough um uh, the interesting thing actually that that i find is you know you're very successful you're doing very well but you've still maintained this dental aspect you haven't completely eliminated that from your career yet What's the story there? Why why do you keep holding on to that?
1: I do I do love my job. I love working at the Eastman, and I love love the role that I have there, and I love the freedom that I have there. I love the kind of clients and the kind of um, the kind of work I get to do there. The complex stuff I get to do. I love being able to do that, um, and I have taken it down to one day a week because everything else has taken over, and I'm not sure I will give it up. Um, two reasons. One, my consultant won't let me. Two, <laughs> two, I do enjoy it. And I think it's good for me to keep a foot in the door and be in that world still. Um, I don't want to lose my skill. I've trained my whole life to get to where I am today, yeah. since I was, I don't know, however old. Um, so for that reason, I wouldn't, I don't think I'd give it up. I never say never, this will come back on me one day. <laughs> the corner of the consultants will use to get to me one no, day. No, I, I, I um, think
0: you're right. I mean, actually, there was a very good reason why you chose this career. And absolutely. I'm sure that your abilities to deal, A, with the general
1: public. Absolutely. And, a, and, and it gave me and, the platform that I have today. Yeah. And it's given me the confidence that I've got today. And uh, without it, I won't have the credentials I do and I won't have the titles that I do to be able to to do what I do. Um and I think, and I love working within the NHS and doing giving back where I can. That part of it is is rewarding. And the other thing is, I, I get to do the fun stuff. I don't get to do the what I consider boring. I know some people don't consider the stuff <laughs> I find boring, boring, but the so. Okay. so
0: <laughs> What do you call fun stuff? I mean,
1: so tell I us get... about
0: that one day a week
1: um, <laughs> clinical work. Week <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I get to place the implants, I get to see the complex patients, I get to do the complex build-up work, um, the stuff that other people might not be able to do in practice, which, again, I love being able to, to provide that kind of service. And... But
0: these perhaps aren't long-term... I mean, I think one of the lovely things that I think about my job and, and seeing my patients is the, the privilege of growing old together, if you like, about seeing those patients for many years. I mean, some people might consider that a downside. I much, things, but I actually, I, I think it's a it's a lovely thing to to grow with your patients.
1: Um, Absolutely. I'm seeing my patients on a week, two weekly basis. And you really build a rapport with these patients as yeah. well. Um, and so, not all of them, but some of them, you build a relationship and, and want to do the best that yes. you can for them to... Because they're they're in that environment because they can't be seen anywhere else, and they're in a more difficult um, position, like the the cancer patients and uh, the hypodontia patients and stuff like that, where people aren't are less likely to be treated outside. And I love yes. being able to to build that and keeping them on review. And um, obviously in the hospital, we don't keep them in forever, but I keep them in for a long time to make sure everything is stable before discharging them. And that's um, very rewarding.
0: Yeah, no way. Right. I get that. And I've
1: never had a job where I've where I've actually not would that I've disliked um maybe one practice job. But apart <laughs> from that, which I will not name. I should, but I won't. <laughs> um, I've loved everything I do and I've just I've just become comfortable in 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 the jobs that I've finally chosen and, and mm. built on.
0: Well, that's a that's a lovely place to be. I, it mean, is.
1: I'm, I, I, I know I'm fortunate in, in that position because I know not everyone enjoys what they do.
0: So we're talking about the present day now but what's the future for
1: what's the future oh, good God, i'm not Motops. sure <laughs> uh carry on building the brand um uh we're going to expand hopefully we're expanding it's getting very very busy so we are potentially looking at expanding and
0: does that mean over? other people coming to join you because i mean after all that's the difficulty isn't it when you're somewhere yeah. and it's just you and you are the brand. To, to get that expansion can sometimes be a bit of an issue. Yeah, I think
1: one of the mistakes I might have made in building my brand is making me the brand uh, because it's making, it will make expansion difficult, possibly impossible. Um, we have expanded a part of it where we're doing like hydrofacials, facials, facials, skin treatments. And I've got an amazing girl who works for me um, who does all those treatments and people are happy to see because she's also been very part of the brand since since the beginning and always been on the social media, on the stories and people love her. Um, so that has worked out that way. But in terms of getting anyone else to inject and and do do the complex stuff, I don't know how that would work because we get questions all the time. Or is it, am I seeing Dr. Moe? And I was like, yes, you're definitely seeing him. He's the only one that works here. Um, so I think it limits me to how much we can grow. But I also love having the control and knowing that the service that I'm providing is exactly how I want it how i want it to be provided and i don't know whether i can trust anyone else it makes that very difficult yeah
0: no As i you can imagine I, I think any business owner <laughs> will tell
1: you that like well trusting i someone you know giving uh, your clients to them yes is, is very 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 difficult
0: they're all very precious to us yes our patients our clients whatever we're going to call Absolutely. them they're, they're all very precious to and us. i
1: don't know how, we, how i'm going to let go of that so we might not be expanding we'll see <laughs> 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 i'm quite comfortable with that we where we are at the moment i'm very very comfortable we're we are very very busy um which is the only thing that's making me want to want to expand but there's only one of me and and there's not much i can do about that
0: <laughs> thank you very very much for coming in today Thanks it's so been a real pleasure thank to you, have yeah, you yeah
1: it's been great i've
2: learned a lot i think Good. i might get set up for social media again <laughs>
1: hopefully that gives a bit of insight into people <laughs> looking into doing what i do and and finding paths and different paths and how you can actually well, you know, not just leave dentistry, but yeah. um, open other doors, not not just concentrate on following one Well, that's exactly
0: what this podcast is about. It Correct. is about inspiring people. It's making people think outside the conventional box and perhaps thinking that, OK, I might have this, you know, qualification that's registered with the GDC, but actually there are many other options in my life. Absolutely. Um, work life
1: and the GDC wouldn't be against you doing these things It's there would be more than supportive and yeah. as long as you're you do it the right, way. the right way exactly that. sure <laughs> pleasure thank you mate thank you, for you. Having
0: me. Thank you. we hope you have enjoyed listening to this episode we would love to hear your suggestions for future guests remember to follow us on social media using hashtag the Eastman Dental podcast and if you like what you hear please rate share subscribe and listen out for future
1: episodes